0: Welcome to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. i me just read the first three verses of Psalm 73, and then I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to jump right into it. Who has an actual physical Bible? Raise it up high so all the other Christians can see who's real. Who's the real? Will the real Christians please stand up? Praise God. Not really, not literally. Please stay in your seats. It'll be a distraction. Um, we're going to, so Psalm 73, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Psalm 73. Are you all ready? Yeah. All right. Truly. God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But the psalmist says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord. Um, for your grace and your love. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing in the earth. Thank you that even though sometimes we don't see it, you're working. And we just thank you. I'm reminded of the verses, God who works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He's working in and through you, church. He's speaking to us. And all we have to do is listen. So, Lord, open our ears, and may we hear, and, and Father, through this word, I just pray that our hearts would align with your heart and what you have for us. I pray in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. So this morning, I just want to talk with you uh, on the brief side. I'm going to probably share for about 20 minutes. Just be reminded when a preacher tells you how long he's going to preach for, he's usually lying, but I'm trying not to lie. I'm really trying not to lie. Is my nose growing right now? I want to be a real preacher. I, I, just, I just want to share briefly because I would like to uh, end this time together. Uh, how many know that when we worship and we experience the presence of the Lord, it, it doesn't stop in the sermon? Well, it might. It depends on who's preaching. Okay. Um, but how many know that He is present? First of all, He is everywhere. And he manifests in certain places. And when our hearts are yielded and our phones are on and they ring during service. Did I just hear a ring? I thought I heard a ring. Just a little. I'm so sorry uh, for the ADD moment. Um, But I I want you to understand that when we dive into the scripture, we're, we're still in the presence of God. And we can still experience the presence of the Lord. In fact, one of my prayers is that we, uh, we receive and we capture the spirit of the word. And, and I pray this often, and I believe it's answered, and I hear testimonies of this. I pray that as I share the word, that there's weight in the room the weight of God's love, the yeah. weight of his presence. Jesus says, my words are spirit in their life. So I want to align with that as a preacher or a teacher that I want my words to be spirit in life. And I want my words to be his words. And when it happens, something happens in the atmosphere. And so as we continue to worship, I, I want to share briefly so that we can just close with a worship song. And so the team, uh, at least a few of our, our worship team members are going to come up. And then what we're going to do is, we're, and I want, I want to tell you this now because I want you to anticipate and I want you to be free to, we're going to open the altars. I want you to be free. And know this, when you come to the altars, you're not like demonstrating to everybody around that you're a backslidden sinner. You're demonstrating that you're passionate about Jesus. And in this church, we don't shame people. Even if there are people up here weeping, it doesn't mean they're repenting of their secret sins. That may be the case. And sometimes that's come on necessary. All the times that's necessary, but the altars are going to be open. And I just want to encourage you that we can all as a people just do some time with the Lord, do some business with God. There has to be, we have to make space for that. We have to prioritize that, that that when we come to the house of the Lord, that we come and we receive His love, we receive His mercy, we receive His grace, Amen. and we orient our hearts at Him. And we all need it. And uh, and so we're going to just take some time and and just do that at the end. Is that, isn't that good? Amen. I love this psalm. This is written by Asaph. And it was written during a time when the people of God were taken captive. It was Babylonish captivity time and Um, he was trying to encourage himself and the people of God in in the midst of the world prospering or the ungodly prospering. And then he and the people of God are, they seem like they're fettered, they're stuck, they're confined, and they're not prospering. They're not walking in a blessing have you ever felt like, man, it feels like the church is in that season? Or have you ever felt like even your own life, that there's times in life where we wonder why everyone else around us, come on somebody, is getting blessed except us? I don't know about you, but I've been there before. And sometimes it's not even the lack of a substantial physical, uh, you know, material blessing. It's not even that. It's like, Everyone else around me is happy, but inward, I'm in turmoil. And so the psalmist is being honest with his own heart. And this is what I believe, and I want to go through and just highlight a few verses. And I want to encourage you. This is one of my favorite psalms, but I, I love it because it's the journey of honesty that leads himself back to the place where he aligns or rather orients his heart in the right direction. You see, something happens when our heart is not oriented in the right direction. It affects every area of our life. In fact, Jesus, didn't he say in Matthew 6 that where your heart is there, your treasure will be also. Or where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. In other words, wherever your heart is aimed, it will determine your entire value system and the direction in which you head in life. Matter of fact, Jesus says things like, if a man looks at a woman with less than an eye, he's already committed adultery in his heart. He's not just saying that it's sin in the moment before God, because God sees all, which is a reality, but he's also saying if your heart is open to it, your eyes will gravitate to it. See, a lot of times as the people of God, we wonder why we struggle inwardly or in our minds or in moments when we don't realize that maybe we've opened our heart to something that is Toxic, maybe we've opened our heart to something that we've allowed or we've pointed our heart in the wrong direction. And that's what I love about this psalm. The psalm starts with, truly God is good to Israel, especially those that are pure in heart. But then he says, but. So he's dealing with the fact that he allowed something to contaminate his heart. He allowed himself to envy the prosperity of the wicked to envy the prosperity of the world around us. Now that can go in so many different ways. I mean, you know, envy in itself is such a crafty uh, you know, sin that can enter into our hearts and minds and we begin to envy people around us, even people we love and we envy. It's like there's favor on someone's life. I've learned though, you know, if you just honor the favor on someone's life, you benefit from it instead of get blocked from it so it's really up to us if we envy somebody because of the smile of heaven over their life we're going to block the smile of heaven over our own life and it doesn't change the way God feels it changes is how we experience the way God feels we don't feel like we're favored we don't feel like we're God's favorite but this other person everything they do everything they touch turns to gold like, why, why not me? Why, Lord, why, Lord, why? And we ask all these, why? And there's probably no divine reason why. The only reason is it's not divine. It's us. It's, it's the posture of our hearts. If you posture yourself to receive blessing, you're, gonna, you're going to experience it. But if you don't believe God's going to bless you, or but the psalmist says God is good to Israel. How many know God is good to his people? He's not going to leave his people. Even in the midst of captivity, the psalmist is like, "No, that 's not the way it works." But he said he was honest with his own heart, especially those in pure heart. He, he dealt with this thing in his heart it's so important for us as people to realize that the orientation of our heart will determine how we see, how we hear, how what we perceive. you know it's almost like uh, it's almost like a, a an autocorrect or an autopilot. How many have ever had a bad experience with your phone, now if you, I don't know if Android has an autocorrect, I know nothing about Androids, except they're not as cool as iPhones, but, well, some of them, like Tad has a really cool one that opens up the big screen, that's cool, Um, but iPhone has autocorrect, I'm assuming that Android does too, because they always compete against one another, and you know. There's always breakthrough on one side or the other. So autocorrect is when you're typing something, and it tries to fix the, the mistake that you made. But how many of know sometimes it doesn't fix it, it makes it worse? I, I have a couple autocorrect things I want to read to you. Uh, I'm not going to put them up top, but this is funny. Here's one. Hey, Mom, the crack I bought for Dad's birthday was about 500. Is that okay? The response from Mom, Wow. It was so much cheaper when I was young. <laughs> Correction. Cake. Sorry, mom. Wait, what? Mom? Like mom smoke crack, right? God bless autocorrect. Here's another one Your great aunt just passed away. LOL. Why is that funny? It's not funny, David. <laughs> what do you mean? Mom, LOL means laughing out loud. And she writes, oh my goodness, I sent that to everyone. I thought it means lots of love. I have to call everyone back. Oh God. So she's literally texting all her relatives saying LOL about a death in the family. God bless autocorrect. Here's another one, one more. Can I call you later? Gotta run. Taking the kids to see Satan. Wow, I know they've been a handful this year, but that seems kind of harsh. The response, ha, 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 Santa, I'm laughing so hard. How many of know there are times where we may not realize it, but our perception in communication with others, our perception of even the entire uh world or the perception of the state of the church or the state of our job and being dissatisfied or whatever it is or the state of relationships everything can become distorted the perspective that we have in life can be distorted even our thoughts you see our we want to take every thought captive but we don't realize that when our heart is captivated by something we can't take anything captive in our minds See, Jesus taught us that the mind is not the center of our being; the heart is the center of our being. And the psalmist knows this because he he's living in a Hebrew worldview. This is just they understand this. It's not like if you gain more knowledge and everything fixes in your life. How many know that's not the case? Like you could have all the knowledge in the world, but if your heart's not right, you're not going to have fun. Life will be hard, even when things seem good. It still feels hard. It's still, it's something's not right. And what it is, is our alignment, our orientation, the orientation of our hearts. And I've learned this in my own life. There are times where I veer off course and God brings me back to this psalm. God, God brings me back and says, Where's, what's the orientation of your heart, son? Have you allowed bitterness to creep into your heart? Have you allowed your heart to become callous? Have you allowed your heart to treasure the wrong things, because whatever we point our heart at will be our entire value system and determine the direction of our life. The psalmist goes on and he begins to talk about the the wicked and their prosperity. And I want to just read verse 13. I, this, this verse always hits me. Surely, he says, have I cleansed my heart in vain? And wash my hands in innocence. For all day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would been untrue to the generation of your children. This is interesting to me. This is his inward discussion and conversation. And he said, had I let it form a word, I would have betrayed your people. Isn't that amazing that, I, I mean... The tongue is such a powerful tool. Yes. James 3. We were reading James 3.17 last week about the wisdom that's from above. Pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. We talk about the concept of yielding to the Lord. And today I want to talk about alignment. Because you can't yield to the Lord unless you align to the Lord. But there's a, a, a reason that we're dealing with this this week. Come on. But I feel like it's so important for us to realize that the power of the tongue is is real yes. and he says, had I said anything I would have been betrayed the generation of your children Wow verse 16 when I thought to understand this it was too painful for me until I went to the sanctuary of God then I understood therein see there's something about being in the presence of the Lord and aligning your heart at heaven and allowing him to tune the strings of our heart where our perspective changes. Mm. Yes. Yes, Lord. Verse 19, oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. It's interesting that he says this, that there's something about a worldly spirit that is consumed with fear. Uh, can I just say this? Watch out for believers that are consumed with fear and their theological understanding about God, about end times. Now, that's not to say that there, there are things that are going to be fulfilled in prophecy. We believe in the physical return of Jesus. Come on, which is a glorious thing, which the Scripture says, encourage one another with these words. We believe in the final judgment, the final resurrection. This is the Christian hope. But sometimes we get caught up in things thinking that we are excited about prophecy when really we're consumed about, with fear. Any worldview that perpetuates fear is not a kingdom worldview. All right, I'm going to get preaching right now. Don't. Just, just leave me alone, okay, guys? Just leave me alone. I, he says they are utterly consumed with terrors utterly consumed with terrors if you are consumed with fear point your heart back at heaven fear is not your portion we serve a glorious and victorious king who's coming for a glorious and victorious bride not a bride scared and hiding in caves and weak and wimpy and no a glorious and victorious and a unified church See, our, our worldview must be the kingdom has been here since the king showed up in a manger, and the kingdom of God is like leaven that leavens a whole lump. The kingdom of God is like a, Matthew thirteen thirty three, a mustard seed, and it becomes a huge tree where the birds come and rest upon its branches. The kingdom has been here, and the, his government is ever increasing, and we carry out the rule and the dominion of heaven. But if our hearts are pointing the wrong direction, we're consumed with fear instead of thriving under the grace and life that is in Christ Jesus, where we advance the kingdom of God. There's no fear. There's no room for that. Sometimes we think that, I've even seen this, there's this fundamentalist attitude. There's people that that are like pointing the finger at Christians, you're worldly and you're sinful and blah, 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 except they're consumed with a worldly spirit of fear. It's like the understanding that we don't want false teaching. Well, yeah, of course, we don't want false teaching. I think, matter of fact, I think that there should be a high value for Scripture today, especially with, you know, deconstructionist movements that leave us with nothing. We should have such a high value for Scripture, but sometimes we're so afraid of false teaching We don't realize we've bowed to the spirit that actually opens up the door for false teaching, fear. This was not planned in the message at all, but I'm just, I'm enjoying it. So verse 21, thus my heart. Here's the psalmist again says, thus my heart. Say my my heart. He says, my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind because your heart determines what you think. The word heart in the Greek is "cardia," Like in Matthew 6 where Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. It means core. The core of your being. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23 Your heart is the center of your being. And he says, my heart was grieved. And my mind was vexed. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you and you hold me by my right hand. Oh, I love that. We're tenderly led by the hand of our loving Papa. We are continually with God. We're not neglected as the people of God. Can you say amen? Amen. It says, you'll guide me with counsel, your word, say word, and after it receive me to glory. See, the word and the spirit help us align our hearts in the right direction. And this next two verses, it's, it's it's my life verse. It's my plumb line when I feel like I've oriented my heart and it could be we've opened our heart to discouraging thoughts or we've opened our heart to things that could defile us whatever it is you know it could be it could be becoming or allowing ourselves to be a garbage can for gossip or slander or it could be that you know what god i'm not seeing the breakthrough i want to see so forget it i'm just going to throw in the towel I was joking around with somebody the other day. We're talking about pastoring. I'm like, I've been pastoring 13 and a half years as a senior pastor. And then before that, over a decade in ministry, worship pastor, associate pastor, all that stuff, and janitor, come on, somebody. It's all the same, right? You're just serving the Lord. I'm just a servant. I'm a son that serves. And uh, I, I told him, I said, I've been a pastor 13 and a half years. I probably, want to th- I probably have wanted to throw the towel in 13,000 times. <laughs> It's a part of life. Like life is tough. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Sometimes life is tough and we're always going to be faced with battles. Even when we enter in some of the promises, there's still battles. Yes. But it doesn't mean we'll ultimately see victory. We have to just keep our hearts oriented at heaven. And this, these next two verses are the plumb line of my heart's journey, that I always come back to this right here. This is what I come back to right here because I've learned that having a love for the presence of God should be the plumb line and the fount that will determine the course and the value system of how we see everything in the world around us. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nobody on the planet that I desire, besides you, Jesus. My flesh and my heart fail, but God, say, but God, God. is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The psalmist says, My portion is not envying the prosperity of the wicked. My portion is not being consumed with fear. My portion is not being vexed in my mind. My portion is not any of these things. My portion is You. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart forever. I love what he says at the end. Verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. Can you say amen? Amen. I've put my trust in the Lord God that I might declare all your works. Yes. In closing, I just want to scan through Matthew chapter 6, and I want to read a couple verses to you. In Matthew chapter 6, of course, is after the, the Beatitudes, which are really, I remember one of my uh, teachers used to say, you, you may have heard this before, but the Beatitudes are about what be your attitude. What be your attitude? Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, Everything that Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is about the heart and the orientation of the heart. He begins to talk about the motive of the heart in the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. He talks about prayer. He says, don't be like the pretenders who love attention when they receive. But just God sees you in secret. Just go to the prayer closet and pray. Don't blow a shofar and then Pray all eloquent so everybody can see your wonderful anointed prayer. He says, just what does God see? God sees the heart. Jesus is saying, God sees your heart. So forget about all the exterior, especially if that's all you're consumed with. Let's get to the heart of the matter. Then he teaches the disciples to pray, revolutionizes prayer with one word, Abba. Then he says, when you pray, make sure that you don't have unforgiveness in your life. Where, where does unforgiveness stay? In your heart. Matthew chapter 6 is all about the heart. Then he says, fast. When you fast, don't look like you're the spiritual person. What's wrong? You look discouraged. Oh, I'm fasting today. Oh, I'm so holy. Praise God. No, he says, God sees you. God sees your heart, not just the outside. He says, don't store up treasures in heaven. Your heart is always going to pursue what you esteem as your treasure. It's always about the heart. And he says, Don't worry about tomorrow, your life, what you wear. I love this portion here. He says, Look at the flowers of the field, they don't work or toil. Yet, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was robed in beauty like one of these. Do you know why hearts, or hearts, do you know why flowers bloom? Because they orient themselves at the sun. Jesus is saying, be like the flowers. You want to grow? Orient your heart in the right direction. You want to see the world rightly? You want to be consumed with worry and all these things? Then he says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. Don't worry about everything else live one day at a time in the message verses 25 and 26 are you enjoying this this morning if you decide for God living a life of God worship it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion there's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach More to your outer appearance than clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description. Careless in the care of God. And you count far more to Him than birds. Free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description. Careless in the care of God. I I don't know about you, but I want to be careless in the care of God. Isn't that good? Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? In the message at the end, it says, if God gives attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax not to be so preoccupied with getting so can you so that you can respond to God's giving isn't that good people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things but you know both God and how he works steep your life in God reality God initiative, and God provisions. I'm going to read that again. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find out, you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Can you say amen? This is my prayer, that we would be like the psalmist, deal with things in our heart and make sure that we're aligned. It's a new day. Let's align our hearts with the Lord and what he has. Let's be like Asaph that said, Whom have I in heaven but you? There's none on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Can you say amen? I want to pray, and then we're going to open the altars. We're going to just close with a song, and I want to encourage you, let's worship together up front here, and during the song, let's just align our hearts at heaven and receive his love together. Can you say amen? amen? Father, I bless your people. I thank you for what you're speaking to us, and we want to respond to your word. We want to respond. We want to align. We want to orient our hearts back to you. Forgive us, Lord, when we open up our hearts to things that are not of you. We turn back, we return, and we thank you for your grace and your love. In Jesus' name. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.com. and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.